0: Much for Beth and I to be here with you guys. Uh, we love Vermont. I mean, what's not to love about Vermont? Right? And this place, I mean, when we came around the corner today, and you know, you see that view uh, of Lake Champlain and you see all this stuff. Oh, yeah, the kids have to go. Through, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, it's just breathtaking. And you, could, you always know when there's breathtaking views, because all of a sudden the houses just get huge, right? I mean, we came around that corner, and I looked over, and it's like this. Beth says, you know, that would be a really nice place to live. I said, I bet it would be. I I don't think I can ever afford to live there. But boy, I'm sure that would be an amazing place to live. But I want to let Beth share a Well, so
1: then I bring up the app, and I look at the townhouses. Now, that would be affordable, right? Townhouse <laughs> <No. laughs> townhouse is
0: affordable. The house, not so much, but uh,
1: really good. But anyway,
0: it's just a privilege and an honor for us to be up here with you guys. And I'm sorry it's been so long. I mean, we were planning to come up a couple of different times, and then COVID hit, and so, and then we, you know, we've been good friends with Steve and Sue, I'll talk about that a little bit in my sermon, but, uh, and just to be able to have the privilege and honor to be able to be with them, and. So it's just been great. We were uh, we stopped off on the way here. There's a couple that was converted while well, Steve and Sue were in our uh, leading our ministry. Uh, great couple, the Beckers. They live in Washington, New Hampshire. So we stopped there for two days. Had an amazing time with them. It was just fabulous. Uh, we're trying to support them and trying to build their own little ministry where they are too. So it's just uh, lots to do always, right? So anyway later, how about okay. that, okay, so, iPad or paper, what should I do this morning, I, I you know, I brought both, oh, it's always the question, I think I wrote some extra notes on this, so I guess I'll, I'll go paper, but, um, you know, let, let's just have a prayer, <coughs> come on in, Jill. great to see you guys, boy, I don't know if I should salute, or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: there you go, oh, come on up, the water's
0: fine up here. <laughs> Great to have you guys. So let's just have a, a prayer as we get started this morning. Uh, Father God, <clears throat> it is just, uh, what a remarkable day you've blessed us with, right Father. It's just, you know, the, the air is so clear, you can see all the way across the lake, I mean, just the trees still holding on to some of their leaves are just so beautiful, and the crispness of the air when you wake up in the morning. Uh, Father, I just want to glory in you and relish uh, all that you give us and everything that you do in our lives. And so grateful uh, for just the love that you poured into our lives, Uh, whether we knew it or not. uh, There's so much that we are unaware of, Father, that you do every day, moment by moment. Uh, Father, I I don't take it for granted. Uh, (laughs) This old body of mine, you know, I I really pray for a special... uh, (laughs) dispensation from you to keep this thing going for a little longer uh father i'm so grateful for every moment that i have in life Mm -hmm. and uh just pray that you'll uh just use me and speak through me this morning father take me out of the way uh let your word really speak uh to the heart Mm -hmm. of everyone here and we can talk heart to heart father i just know you love Mm -hmm. each individual in this room beyond what they can imagine father we just pray this in your son's name amen So you know, I uh, give you a little background. Just a little. Uh, I was baptized way back in the dinosaur eras of 1976, uh, and we—I was a campus student at the University of Florida. I was 21 years old, and uh, I was my name at that time was Big Buck, and uh, I was the biggest <clears throat> here in my high school. Started doing drinking when I was about nine years old. Started doing drugs when I was about 12 years old. And uh, I used to have parties, sometimes two or three hundred people in my backyard. My parents would come home, too. And so uh, it was just one of those uh, teens that every parent just goes, what? Um, and, you know, I think part of what that did, because my parents were so gracious through all of that, is it really taught me a lot about the grace of God. You know, I... I I'll share a little bit more about that. but uh, So, at 21, I got baptized, and I was at the University of Florida. But, you know, when you've done drugs and alcohol for 10 years, you, you, you really stunt your emotional growth, mm-hmm. and it took a while for me to really catch on to Christianity, mm-hmm. and I, I owe so much to people like Eddie Francis, who was with me for seven years mm-hmm. trying to help me, you know, people who just are so dedicated to my life to help me become a better man. Uh, and eventually even become someone who was worthy of marrying this woman. I mean, I I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where the boys are, where the girls are. You guys don't even remember that because you're too young. But there were movies called that, and they were shot in Fort Lauderdale, and it was about all the guys, you know, and the girls on the beach. But it was Fort Lickerdale. And, uh, you know, what I knew about dating was, you know, the girl looked good in a bikini, and we had fun. That was good. That was all I knew. So trying to become a little more mature than that and understanding that, oh, 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 I've got to learn how to lead a relationship. I've got to learn how to become a man worthy of respect. Mm -hmm. And then when we have children, to be a father worthy of respect that can love my wife, love my kids. There's just so much for me to learn, and I'm so grateful for all of that. We got married in 84, moved up here on our honeymoon, and we've been in Boston ever since. So it's been an amazing run. I've been in and out of the ministry three times, um, and it's just been fabulous. And The last run was I was an elder in the Boston church, and uh, when Wyndham Shaw uh, sort of lost his health, uh, I took over his role in Boston, and sort of became the chief bottle washer and cleaner <laughs> in Boston, right. them, and then took care of a lot of stuff. But my goal there was to try and leave Boston better than when it was when I was <laughs> And I, I really feel like God blessed that dream, that goal. Uh, Boston's doing well. We've got a great young leadership now, and we've got great young leaders in every region, which was my dream. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but it has, and so I'm really encouraged with that mm-hmm. right now. But you know what I want to talk about today is, what does it mean to li- uh, walk and live faithfully? What does it mean to walk and live faithfully? You know, <clears throat> Abraham... Father of Faith, right? So oh, I better put a timer on me. Well, let me see what time we are. Otherwise, we'll be here till noon or past. So that's all good. Let me just put this out so I can see where we are. That's Milan time. That's not going to help me. I have kids in Milan, so that's uh, okay. So, um, so Father of Faith and. It sounds really good, and you know, and, and Abraham was told, right, in the beginning, that he was going to be the father of this huge nation, that his children were going to be more than the seas on this, you know, I'm like, and you know, imagine waking up one morning, that's the dream that God put on your heart, I mean, you know, that would be pretty awesome, uh, but he was a hundred before he had a child. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, what what was it like in the gap between when he got the dream and when he realized the dream? And plus, one child more? I mean, couldn't we get ten going? I mean, you know, it seems like it would go a little quicker. You know, our plans and God's plans were like, couldn't we just get a little more? I mean, couldn't we have a few more in the room here this morning? Couldn't we have, there's always that we want more. But God starts with something small and weak is what i found. Mm-hmm. And uses it for his glory. And we all know the story. It did become this huge nation. And to this day, the entire earth has been blessed by what? That one man's faith. Three religions have been created from him. Unbelievable. From this one man's faith by his walking with God. But it was future. Moses, you know the first prophet, Right? Never went in the promised land. How disappointing must that have been? I mean, how many of us have dreamed something really incredible only to have it never happen? (coughs) I'm sure you can't relate. Jesus, for the joy set before him. What joy? The cross? That doesn't seem like a really joyful thing, Lord, to put in front of me. No, it was heaven, but that's tough. To think that I've got to go through that, that's my journey. That's my path. Yes, I've got this thing in front of me, but that's my path. So what does it mean? You know, they all live by faith for something in the future, but how did they live their life? That's the question I want to do a little digging in on. How did they live their life? You know, what does it mean to walk faithfully now, right now? You know, how do we believe that God can work now in our life right now and not just looking forward to well someday I'm gonna make it to heaven and I'm just gonna hang in there, you know. Right. Right. You know, have you ever faced difficulty? Any challenges in this you guys can't relate? Come on. There's gotta be somebody with a challenge in here. I've got plenty for you, but I mean, come on, you gotta be able to relate to that, you know? Um Beth is going to share a lot of the challenges that we've gone through. So I'm not going to dig into it much. But i, I got to say, it was such an honor and a privilege to walk in Wyndham's spot there. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, you carry the, the burdens of the world when you're in that leadership spot also. Yeah. Because right after that, we, we had a leadership change that was challenging. <coughs> then we got into COVID. Then we got into the racial stuff. I had a wonderful 63-page paper posted about me on Facebook. I And how terrible I was, and I should resign as an elder. I had, you know, just just to give you a little flavor of what it's like to be the man on the top. It's just not always a, a key thing that you want to do. And how do you walk through that? How do you remain faithful through that? And to, you know, still have some joy about you instead of just being burdened by everything that you're going through at the time. It's not easy. You know, but we are a place, see, we retired uh, in January, and now we're at a place where we're trying to, what we call retreading, which is not retirement and we're going to go off and just play golf and that's going to feed me bonbons all night. I mean, (laughs) that's not going to be the lifestyle that we choose. Uh, We choose to be used by God, even in our retirement, retreading. And so we're even, you know, our being in Burlington is probably, where do you want to send us, Lord? Where are you going to take us? We don't know, you know? Our, our current dream right now is I want to get back down to Florida because that's where my family is. I haven't been in Florida since 84 uh, for any length of time, just for vacation. And my brothers are 76 and 74. Uh, I really want to give them an opportunity uh, to hear the gospel and have a chance before I they pass, you know, and their health hasn't been great, so that's our... Sort of thought right now is to try and get down the to Florida a little bit more. Uh, we have kids in Milan, Italy. We have kids in Revere, Rabea. Yeah. We have a system on, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, I said, "What happened to your your accent?" She goes, "I lost it." <laughs> but people in Rabea they got an accent. Let me tell you, it's, it's serious. Anywhere up the north, any it's so funny in Boston. Every area of Boston has a little bit different accent. Yeah. It's the okay. craziest thing. It's like down in the south, you know. You got Tennessee sing song accent, then you get a Jordan drawl, and in Boston we got all these Boston accents. If you can tell someone from Dorchester, let me tell you, man. Where you live, I live in Dorchester. You know, you know, you know, they're from Dorchester. You know, look over in um, John eleven, if you want to follow along. Otherwise, you can just listen. I'm just going to hit a couple of passages here. In John eleven, verse. 21. Of course, it's a familiar verse if you've read some of the Bible about you know uh, Lazarus who had died and his two sisters, and you know it's it's an interesting story because Jesus it seems like Jesus purposely did not go to get there in time to save Lazarus before he died and. I don't know about you when you wrestle through things that just don't seem to make sense, you know, in life. But this is one of those sort of like, what? Jesus? You love my brother, but you just let him die? Why would you do that? In verse 21, he says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's a fact. And she knew it because she had seen him heal. People all over the place. But why not my brother? I don't know if you've ever had a struggle with questions with God, but this was one of them, a big one. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And you know, you go, wow, that's a faithful answer. You know, Did she know that, God was gonna, that Jesus was going to come in here and raise Lazarus from the dead at that point? I don't think so. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And listen to this answer. Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Let me just stop there for a moment. Where was her hope? What was she thinking?
2: Yeah.
0: It's like the other three men that I brought up earlier. Something that they were looking forward to, but not realizing that God wants to work in Brothers and sister, friends, this is the message for today. Not what God's going to do in the future, but what God's going to do right now. And we struggle with that. Let's just be honest. We struggle with that. We struggle with what God can do through us right now. You know, what was God going to do with Big Buck? (laughs) If you had seen me on the street, I don't even think you would have shared your faith with me. And to think that one day I'd be an elder in the Boston church. I mean, are you crazy? Are you nuts? Are you what are you smoking? You must be smoking what I've been smoking, man. I mean, I I don't know. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. You know, Martha had lost her brother. I don't know how many of you have gone through loss lately. But my wife is really good about writing cards to people when they've lost someone or gone through a challenge. She's written a lot more cards this year. Yeah, it's just been a challenge this year. There's been a lot of loss, and I'm sure you guys can relate. But Jesus tells her plainly, your brother will rise again. But her response was, oh, yeah, I know one day he's, he's going to make it. You know, that's a faithful answer. And I think in our religiosity, let me just say it that way, we can sort of go there. <clears throat> oh, yeah, you know, we're all going to make the heaven one day. we know the rest of the story. Jesus said, take the stone away. And the sister's response was, it's going to stink in there, Lord. We don't want to do that. You know, when we dig in the problems, they stink. We dig up dead bodies, they stink. Yes, they do. Jesus went where it stunk. You got any stink in your life today? (laughs) Any stinking thinking? That's what we used to call it with our kids. That's stinking thinking, man. Come on. No, we can't get trapped with this. And I got to tell you, COVID has not helped. The isolation, the depression, the challenges, going in and out, wearing masks, you name it. Social distancing has not helped. I think our society as a whole is at a different place than they were right before COVID. And we got to adjust for that. You know, as a church, as a Christian, you got to realize, you got to take a realistic view. We're living in a different world today. And what does that mean for me? You can't just coast on your faith. You've got to be able to rise above whatever challenges is coming in your life today. You can't wait till heaven's going to come in someday and Jesus is coming down. you got to do something today. And those of you who are their parents, this is what your kids are looking for. I remember very distinctly going to communion, my first communion, going to catechism class, and then I got my little box of cards, you know, for giving my contribution. I said, thank you very much, and I walked out of that church and I never went back was very telling, neither did my parents. Mm-hmm. I love my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. But that showed me they were there for one thing. For me. Mm-hmm. When I walked away, they walked away. Mm-hmm. Parents in here, your kids are watching. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What is your faith today mm-hmm. that your parents, that your kids can imitate? It's so important. They've got to have something to imitate. I know that puts a little pressure on you as a parent, but let me tell you, it can also be a joy. Because no matter where your kids are at today or wherever they'll get to be, all I can do for myself as a parent is be faithful, to walk faithfully. You know, we have a child right now that's on a journey. And so, am I going to quit? Am I going? No, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to, I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking in faith. Amen. So this is, that's just my intro, man. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> Have you had loss? You know, we talked about that a little bit. Have you had loss? This is my first point. Have you had loss? Mm-hmm. You know, Job, Job suffered loss. We all know the story of Job, right? That's one of those Bible stories that even as a kid, you, you hear about Job, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's had greater loss than this man. I mean, who loses all their houses, all their kids? The only thing he has left standing is his wife, and she says, why don't you just go die? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, honey. Appreciate that. You know what I love about that? It says that Job worshipped. Now, I don't know what your concept of worship is, but I want to maybe retool that a little bit today. Because it's not three songs in a preacher. It's not. Worship is what you do moment by moment by moment every day for the rest of your life. If you forget about God, then it changes your perspective on life. So what do we got to do? We got to continue to keep God in front of us every moment. That's the only way we're going to make it. Are you worshiping today? Really worshiping? Are you counting your blessings? Do you walk with God? You know, Jesus worshipped right up to the time he died on the cross. He was worshipping. You go, that didn't sound like worship. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they were doing. Do you think he was connected to his God? He was begging them, even in that moment, please, Lord, spare these men that are spitting on me, that are cursing me, that are trying to kill me. You can't do that without worshiping God. You cannot do that on your own strength. Because any one of us who was in that position and had the power that Jesus had with us said, boom, you're done. <laughs> boom, too. Boom! Three! You're done! Gone! You're out of here! There's only one way to keep a perspective like that: is to be connected with the power. right? With the lordship. With the authority of God. It's not you. We are not the authority. I hate, I hate to blow your bubble this morning. <laughs> Maybe you think you're the authority in your life. Let me just tell you, and you can check in the Bible and see if it's true. You are not. You're not the authority. There is someone who has greater power in your life than you do. As a matter of fact, if he wanted you dead this very second, one of you would drop dead. I was just reading that passage about Ananias. I'm like, whoa. That's a quick death, man. Painless. Painless. You know, sometimes worshiping means suffering loss. You know, sometimes we don't appreciate what we have until we lose something. It's true. You go, why is there so much pain and suffering? Because there are times when that is the only way that we finally get desperate and turn to God. You know, there's a perspective. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, when we get depressed, when we get angry, when we get blown out, when we get just not joyful, just bad spot, our eyes are on the wrong thing. Our eyes are on us and all our issues around us. We're, we're, we're doing this. We're not doing this. It's really different. You know, the view down here is not great. The view in here is even worse. But the view up there is amazing. And so where do we got to keep our eyes? Where do we have to worship? Why do you have to keep your eyes on Jesus and worship all day long? moment by moment, because this world is full of trouble, and it's going to take you out. It's going to take you down if you don't focus on the right thing. Secondly, are you reluctant? I don't know about you, but I can, I can have a little reluctance in there. Procrastination, another word. Oh, I was terrible procrastinating. I'd wait till, you know, I'd have this month-long project, you know, in school, and I'd wait till Friday night, you know, and the night before, it's like,
2: oh, I'll get it done tonight. Oh,
0: yeah, right. Jonah was reluctant. You know the story of Jonah? He was the guy that was supposed to go to Nineveh and preach the word and save the city. He was going to be the hero. You go, well, who wouldn't want to do that? Jonah. Have you ever had an opportunity, you're just like, ah, I'm not sure about that. You know, I think I'm going to walk away from that one. Mm -hmm. And and other people are going, what are you, an idiot? I mean, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, somehow this little brain of ours can (laughs) spin some incredible stories, internal stories that we believe about how something will be. Instead of trusting God, instead of really seeing it through His eyes, and seeing that, yes, this city is sinful, they're bad, it's a corrupt place, but guess what? God loves every one of them. Matter of fact, He says He even loves the animals in there, which really thrills my veterinary wife. (laughs) She always points it out to me. See, He loved the animals. When I'm saying, do we have enough animals yet? I mean, come on. You know what Joey did when he was in the fish? Go back and check it out. I'm not telling you a fib. He worshiped. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep, in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry but with shouts of grateful praise. This is in the fish, guys. <laughs> will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah into dry land. You know, some, what i found in life, sometimes when you're reluctant, God sends a storm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then he sends a fish. Storm, fish. And what are you going to do with that? You know, the storms that you've been through in the last while, how have you handled them? Would be my question. Right. Have you worshiped or have you let it take you out? There are a lot of people who quit. I'm not talking just in the church. I'm talking about just in general. There are people who have just quit <coughs> on life. Come on. This is too hard, too depressing. Suicide rates are off the charts. Jonah went back, preached to the city from the king. Can you imagine President Biden putting on sackcloth and putting ashes all over himself and commanding the entire country to do the same? What president would even last two days after he pulled a stunt like that, man? But that's what he did. We just don't know what can happen when we preach the word. Mm -hmm. The word of God is the power of God. Mm -hmm. It has power. And it will do something for us and it will do something for her. But you know what Job's problem was? He didn't want to intervene for the people. He didn't want to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we doing in looking out for each other? How are we doing in looking out for others? How are we doing in sharing the joy of God with others? You know, if you don't have any joy, it's really hard to share joy with other people. Let me just tell you, I've been there. Yeah. I've been out trying to share my faith when I didn't have the joy, joy, joy bus going on inside. And I'm like, <laughs> would you like to come to Bible Talk? No? Great. You want to talk? To Sorry. Sorry about you. No, I know what that feels like. Been there, done that. And so you got to fight for your joy. you got to fight for having something to share. If you don't have faith of your own, you can't share it. You know, in Proverbs 3
2: it
0: says, Do not withhold good from those whom it's due. You know, when it's in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. When you already have it with you, you know, do you feel like you can't help people? Do you feel like you have nothing to give, no hope to share? Let me give you a comparison. When you are looking at just you and your problems, it gets dark. But when God gets involved, they're light and momentary. When God gets involved, hope will overcome despair. When God gets involved, you have joy and a light about you. When God gets involved, you have living water that flows down into you, that flows out of you to everyone around you. I don't know about you, but which would you rather be? (laughs) The one that's just depressed and... Unhappy, and everybody around you is the same and you just go, well, I guess that's just the way it's going to be. Or can we please just allow God to give us a little bit of His love, a little bit of His joy, a little bit of His patience, a little bit of His kindness. It's called the Holy Spirit. Guys, let me tell you, the things that happen that are spiritual have nothing to do with
2: you.
0: Let me say that again. The things that happen that are spiritual have nothing to do with you. And yet we put ourselves in that position like it's all about us. Stop carrying that weight. Can I I free you up this morning? Can I just tell you, drop the weight. Drop it. Let it go. Don't carry that burden anymore. It will kill you. It will destroy you. It'll take you out. And then you can't help anyone. You can't help your kids. You can't help your family. You can't help your friends. You can't help your neighbors. You've got to have something to share. You can't procrastinate. You know, just being honest, there's been times that I've wanted to quit. I read that letter from those brothers. I wept. I've never had anyone write a 36-page paper about how terrible I am and post it publicly where the whole world could see it. I had people questioning, good friends of mine questioning me from all over the world. Mark, what'd you do? I was just trying to love these guys. Trying to bring them back. I got in the way. I got in the middle And guys, it can be challenging to be a mediator, Mm -hmm. to put yourself in a position where you're trying to help. And we can get burned. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, I'm not going to let those four men decide what the rest of my life is going to be. I'm not. That's not how God looks at me. That may be their view. that's not God's view. And I just had to go out to God and say, God, what do you think? He goes, I think you're awesome. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. You're going to, it may not feel good at the time, but you're going to have something happen good out of this. And it did. We've had tremendous healing as we've had these talks about How the inequity of race has affected our dear brothers and sisters. Those conversations have been painful. They've been tearful. They've been vulnerable. It's been hard. It's been joyous. It's been hugs. It's been kisses. It's been, but man, I understand better now what it's like not to be me, white man in the U.S. Nothing wrong with being a white man in the U.S. Nothing wrong with being black and being in the U.S. But the challenge has been, we have not really heard their story. We haven't heard their story, what it's like for them. And I purposely put myself in the position to hear their story. And it was remarkable. I'll never forget, I called Wes Gibson. He's one of my good friends. Black brother's out in Colorado right now. And, um, we talked for three hours and I hadn't cried that much in a long time because he shared his story. He tried to help me get perspective so I could understand. And it really helped me because it helped me to say, okay, these are things I need to learn, these are things I need to grow in. But also, he told me, but Mark, you've loved me since the day you met me. I've never felt disrespected by you personally, but you got to understand what it feels like for me to live in this world and it was it was it was awesome that's all I can tell you I feel closer to my brother than ever because we've had those conversations I'm, I'm getting off track here you know what can you do you know I think about the feeding of the five thousand. It's comical, right? They go, "But Lord, you know we need to send these people away. We have no food for them." He goes, "You feed them." They're <laughs> like, "What?" And so, and one of them, faithful one, comes up and says, "Well, we have a couple of fish and a couple of pieces of bread." He says, "That's fine. That's enough, guys. Do you have a couple of fishes and a loaf of bread?" I bet if you won your fridge, you've got a few things in there. God can use even the smallest thing that you have to do miracles. You don't have to arrive. You don't have to be the guy, the woman. All you gotta do is bring a couple of fish and a loaf, and you're good. Don't feel like, oh, when I arrive, when I get better, when I... No, 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 no. Don't procrastinate. Do it now. You know, Malachi said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, and the Lord Almighty, and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to store it. You know, you may think you only have two coins this morning. Put them in the box and see the miracle that that will be known for eternity. Put it in the box! You know, if you got two copper coins this morning, you got nothing. Put it in the box. You know... Thank you, sis. I appreciate that. I clap for you. Come on. This is awesome. You know, we gotta get perspective on life. You know, last thing I'm gonna share about is maybe you've sinned. You know, oh. <laughs> we're gonna talk about sin. Yeah, we're gonna talk about sin. Because, you know, when we talk about sin, we think about murderers and perverts and prostitutes and all the bad sins in life. Sin can be unfaithfulness. It's probably one of the greatest sins that we don't talk about. Unfaithfulness. Just not being faithful. You know, how would my wife feel if I was unfaithful to her? Oh, that's okay. Don't oh, worry about it. No. That would not fly in my household. I'm sorry. That would have something to say about that. You know, all of us sin. Okay? How many of you have not sinned? Oh, good. <laughs> I feel much better. You're with me. Okay? I feel much better. We've all sinned, right? Why do we deny sin? Why? Why? Does it feel good when we're confronted with our sin, when we see our sin, when we've blown it? You know, I I can remember, you know, I've had a conviction about sharing with my wife when I'm impure. Those have been some of the hardest conversations. Not easy to go there and to go into detail or to tell her what I did. Not easy. But God love her. She has always been gracious, loving, and forgiving. And it's encouraged me just to keep going forward. She didn't beat me with it. She didn't. Yeah, anyway, She was amazing. And I'm guessing that a lot of us, we just we don't want to talk about It, it doesn't feel good when we confess our sins. But let me tell you guys we got to confess our sins. we got to talk about it. We can't just hold it in. You know, you may be looking at each other and you're going, well, I, I'm okay, but boy, look at the, you know, Peter up there, man. I, I don't know about him, man. Bro. I've seen him sitting <laughs> up there. Hey, what are you doing about it? Are you going to Peter and saying, bro, are you okay? You just seem a little off. You seem a little down. You see, brothers and sisters, we need to be engaged. We need to be in each other's lives and and if someone, you know, puts the stiff arm on you, then you gotta work a little harder on loving them. I'll never forget there was a brother, he was massive. This brother made me look small, right? And he was angry. <laughs> Can I tell you? He grew up angry. Grew up in a bad neighborhood, bad family, you know, you know, he got a line, whack. That's how he grew up. And so, even when you become a disciple, you struggle with those things, right? Anger, impatience, ingratitude, whatever. And I'll never forget, he got to a point with his wife there, he was just, I'm calling it quits, I'm done. And told the preacher man, don't you ever come to my house. You come to my house, I'm going to kill you. He told him that. And this guy, Jim Condon, who I love to death, he's gone now. Them. He went to his house, knocked on the door. Paul, put the name out there. Paul, you know, opened the door and started weeping
2: mm-hmm.
0: And Jim gave him a huge hug. Do we have the courage to love you? Even when they're angry. Mm. Even when they're not in a good spot. Mm. Do we have the courage mm. right, to go knock on the door and be there for people? Mm. Brothers and sisters, we are their hope. Mm. We are the ones that can make a difference in their life. I mean, when, I, when Jim died, Paul called me He just started crying on the phone. And he's not with us anymore. He's not with the church, but, you know, I've kept in touch with Paul all these years. His his, wife is still with us. And um, he goes, I've I've never been loved by him like that. You know, he may have forgotten everything else Mm -hmm. in life. That memory of Jim Condon coming and knocking on his door. Even when he threatened to kill him. That did something. Have courage. Embrace the sinner. Embrace your sin. You know, I'll share this whole story. You know, I told you how I was as a teenager. And you'd go, man, my parents must have been saints. And they were. But my mom especially, she was amazing. You know, she went out. She did a really dumb thing. When I was 15 years old, she went out and bought this car. It's called a Buick GS Stage 1. And not too many people know about Buick including myself, didn't know what this car was. It had a 455 engine in it with 427 horsepower. And a quarter mile in 14 seconds. And... You know, they came home with this car, and I'm trying to just hold it in. You know, I'm like trying to be cool. Like, yeah, I didn't know. And I, I popped the hood on that thing. It had the scoops. had the big car. I'm like,
2: ho, 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 ho,
0: buddy. So long story short, I told that car. I told that car. I didn't deserve to get another chance, right? I'll never forget. We went on a trip. Again, like the grace of my parents, they... They helped us take a trip. My best friend and I went for two and a half months after we graduated high school on a trip around the country, camping out. Why they did that for us? Just by grace and love. But I get home, and what is sitting in the driveway, but almost the identical car? Mm. Wow. Now, it had a 350. <laughs> it didn't have the 455. <laughs> But it was almost identical to the car I had told him. You. you talk about grace. That was going to be my car. I drove that car for until I got married to this one. Man. Unbelievable. Grace, guys. I mean, I don't know how you're feeling this morning. I, I don't know how you're doing. I mean, we could take all day and talk to each other and, and have conversations about how everybody's doing in here. But what I'm trying to communicate this morning is that God's love, His grace, is enough for you. It's enough for you. Amen. Even when we sin. Because David, you know what's cool about David? You know, we i got to finish this up. So, David, he confessed his sin. You read through Psalm 51, he confessed his sin, right? But what's so cool about that psalm, and go check it out, it's in there. The second half of that is what God he asked God to do for him. What can God do for me? And when he sinned, trying to find out on those, this is what he said. He said, "Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let the let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you crushed rejoice." You know what did he do? He didn't stop at just confessing his sin. He begged God to restore him. You know, I, I don't know what needs to be restored inside of you. I, you know, I, I think about those shows. You know, Move the Bus. You remember that show? They okay. you know, would fix somebody's house up, and, they, and, and, the, and the family's just like, oh, they drop dropping their knees, they cry, and they go in every room. And they're like, wow, this is incredible. You know, I mean, restoration feels amazing. Let God restore you. Let Him shine you up. Let Him put new parts in you. Let Him fix up those rooms that are just nasty right now and and put something new in there and design it well. Put stuff in your rooms that, that gives you joy every time you talk into it and walk into it in your life this morning. That's what I would encourage you. Let me just close out with this scripture here. It's one of my anchor scriptures. I think I stole that from Sue. Mm -hmm. Anchor scriptures. Luke uh, 6.38 He says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Yeah. I'm going to let my wife come up and share um, a little bit and then we'll have to eat. Mm-hmm. That was so encouraging.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to take a few minutes mm-hmm. to share maybe some of the lessons that I've learned the last couple of years. Some of them a lifetime, but mm-hmm. Um, we don't have all names, so, <laughs> so um, I'm going to talk about two things. One is connection, and the other is uh, trust and remembering, uh, kind of together. And um, in the last few years, you know, we've obviously had times of isolation. Um, we've had times of sorrow with loss physical loss, emotional loss. Um, we've had times of weariness, and I know mm-hmm. we've all experienced that, and if those of you that have worked in the health field, mm-hmm. or are essential workers, you know, incredible weariness, and my heart goes out to you. Um, but I think the thing that's helped me the most is connection. First and foremost, connection with God, like Mark talked about in where we live there's about uh, 14 acres behind us that there's some paths that run through that area mm-hmm. and I feel like <laughs> I we have worn that path down <laughs> it's, <laughs> clear. <laughs> it's clear it's clear <laughs> you know because for me that my connection with God is so much wrapped up in nature yeah. and so for me the times where I can really feel connection are walking those paths And, you know, seeing the glory of God in every season, and obviously our trip up here this season, oh my goodness, how can you not believe in God, right? But I think even seeing the glory of God in the wintertime, you know, in the beauty of the snow and the snowfall, and seeing the glory and the renewal of God in the spring, uh, with those little, you know, bulbs coming up and the critters beginning to appear, and seeing critters, snow prints, you know, so I think that that's been huge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so seeing his miraculous display in nature. And I think the times of connection came through times of quietness, you know, even in the isolation, having to stop, having not a life full of the busyness for me was it was really good in so many ways to have time to meditate to think, to listen for God's words in the quietness I think um, studying through the scriptures having more time, you know at that time in early, um, you know April, May I was studying through the Beatitudes and studying Mm -hmm. through the ways that Jesus looked at people Mm -hmm. having no idea that we would go through the racial challenges that we did and so it was so good for me to learn how God, Jesus, loved deeply every single person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, I'm wrote. i I'm not a writer. I've never written a poem or prose <laughs> in my life. But I wrote this poem as I had so many conversations with my spiritual sisters, with physical sisters, with friends, um, just to understand who they are. And it's, the name of the poem is, I See You. I see you. You look different than me. I hear you. You sound different than me. You are different than me. Your experiences, your perspectives, your choices, your heritage, your culture, how you feel and process through a different window into the same world. You are perfectly and wonderfully made and loved by the same creator I am. Mm -hmm. You are different than me. Let me listen, help me understand. Mm -hmm. There is a time to rejoice in those differences, a time to mourn together in those differences, not because they're fair or just or right or wrong, because what, but because when we do, then we are truly one in heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And I've just been so moved mm-hmm. the last number of years, you know, by all of you. You know, I'm moved coming up here this weekend yeah. and getting to know you just a little bit. Um, one of, uh, I came across a song a couple of years of, uh, a couple of years. I've probably read it hundreds of times over the years. But a couple of weeks ago, I came across this psalm, and it just really resonated as we go through the challenges of life, right? In Psalm 84, verse 5, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you. You have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through a valley of Baca, which means the Valley of Tears, they make it a place of spring." the autumn rains also cover it with pools they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion Mm -hmm. and I thought wow what God wants with our challenges, with our tears with the things that we go through is he wants us to learn to go strength to strength Mm -hmm. and it's a a life of learning right? Mm right? And the thing that's helped me over the years to go strength to strength is to remember. Mm-hmm. And to remember and to learn to trust, right? In John fourteen twenty six, Jesus says, he says, um, at first, starting in verse 25, he says, All this I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so that word remember, remember over 200 times in the scriptures. Remember, right? You Think about in the Old Testament, you know, God reminding Moses to remind the people of the crossing of the Red Sea, right? That remember happens over and over again, and Jesus says, remember, and he gives us the Holy Spirit to remind us, to be with us, to be our counselor, to be our teacher, and that's been really, really important to me over the years. You know, when Mark and I, well, first of all, when I was a young woman, and uh, God took me out of where I was and took me to the University of Georgia for one summer. And at that point in my life, I wasn't sure what my purpose was. I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I was still kind of questioning whether I could do it. I was involved in, in and really had compromised my values in so many ways. And I was so insecure. And I really didn't know who I was. And so I had so many questions about what's my purpose? Where am I going? And, you know, as God would have it, that was the point in time where he directed me to the scriptures, to the Bible. That was the time when I began to find Jesus Mm -hmm. and realize that this is my purpose. Mm -hmm. This This will be my pilgrimage. This is what Jesus will bring me from strength to strength. And so I have to often remember that. You know, where was I? What has God done? What did God give me at that Mm -hmm. time as he gave me forgiveness and the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. And then when we were married and we prayed for me to get pregnant and it took a little bit longer than uh, we had hoped. And uh, during the pregnancy, they do a a test called an alpha-fetal protein test. And mine was sky high, way off the limit. And the doctors kept saying, Oh, well, we're worried. It might be spina bifida. You know, they're they're giving me all the reasons that it might be a problem. So we went in for an ultrasound. (coughs) Of course, at that time, we're praying. There's fear. There's concern. There's tears. There's prayers. There's, wow, what do we do? How are we going to go forward? How are we going to deal with this? And God, as he would have it, we went in for the ultrasound. And there were two. So then we laughed and we cried. <laughs> that's what made the test high. Yeah, that's what made the test high. But you know, through that time it was it was I had to remember, okay, God, you're you're here for us. Whatever whatever the future's gonna hold, I know you have us. You know you've got us. And then after after the birth of these twins, shortly after we found out that one of them, Stephen, had a heart condition and he was gonna need they were hoping around two and a half. Prayer, mm-hmm. more prayer. You know, is he going to make it through the surgery? Is he going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And even as I handed over, handed him over to the anesthesiologist, mm-hmm. I remember praying, God, if this little boy isn't going to make it to heaven as an adult, take him now, mm-hmm. because I knew that if I lost him, he'd be in heaven when mm-hmm. Yeah, and if God would have made it, right? Mm -hmm. And some of you know Stephen. Mm -hmm. And now here we are 32 years later and Stephen's on a different journey. Mm -hmm. And my prayer is God, remember that prayer. Mm -hmm. Remember how you answered that prayer. Mm -hmm. And he made it through. So I have to trust. I have to remember and I have to trust that he's going to make it. Somehow, some way on his pilgrimage, Mm -hmm. he'll make it, right? Mm -hmm. And I know we all have children that and that's our, our, our oh, Jonathan, Stephen's twin, is uh, in Milan, Italy. He's married to Rachel. And when they were there, they, she was pregnant with their first child. And Jonathan calls us in the middle of the night and he says, Mom, Dad, I just went through the worst 10 minutes of my life. Rachel, his wife, in the middle of the night, had a seizure. And he didn't know if she was dead or alive he's in Milan, Italy. He doesn't even know how to call 911. So he literally was googling how do I get an emergency. And what had happened was she had eclampsia, which is a, you know, a life-threatening uh, sudden eclampsia in pregnancy and prayer. I, he called and I just wanted to go there. God, can you just get me there? But prayer and tears. And hopes, and as it turned out, emergency C-section, healthy little boy, and now Ben just turned seven, right? But at the, time, at the time, in the middle of the storm, the trust that God would work, right? And so currently, I have a mom with dementia, and uh, you know I've lost her, right? She, she doesn't know who I am, and trusting learning. Okay, God, what do I learn during this time? How, how, what is it that you want me? And learn to glorify God in honoring my mom. Learning to be the hands of Jesus as we strive to meet her needs. Mm-hmm. And so I think in every season of life we have our storms. We have mm-hmm. things that present the challenges, right? And I think just trusting through these times so that I can learn the lessons that I can deepen my faith, that I can be more like Jesus, and that ultimately I can have an impact on others and glorify God. And so I think as I remember Jesus this morning, remembering his sacrifice, remembering all that he's done for me, for us, and knowing that Jesus will take me from strength to strength. So,
2: thank you.
0: Let's have a prayer. <laughs> Father, we, uh, we're just so grateful. We're grateful. We're grateful for the life that you've given to us, the spark of life that you put inside of us, all our moms one day, and here we are, and, and the lives that we've been able to have for our children, for the lives that they've had, for our parents, the lives that they've had. Uh, but Father, especially this morning, we're really grateful for Jesus and the life that He had. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't, I probably will never know totally why you did things the way you did mm-hmm. until I get a chance to talk to you about it. But mm-hmm. Father, I, all I know is I'm so grateful. Yeah. So grateful that not only did you forgive my sins, but you sent your Son to be an example, a living example for what it means to walk by faith, to walk with you. And to be even to trust you in the worst of circumstances. God, thank you so much for just loving us the way you do and taking care of us. We pray in your son's name. Amen.